shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What is going on, Human Hope fam? Welcome to episode 30 of the Human Hope Podcast with your host, Carlitos Enrique Whittaker Guzman Archibol Cabello, or Los for short, if you're in the Insta familia, but listen to me. We made it. We made it to 30. Oh man, we're like creeping up to middle age podcast, right? I mean, like we're still like millennials, I think. Like are 30 year olds still millennials? I don't know how, like, like, I just feel like, like around 30, especially these days, like people are like, should I still have my parents be paying for my phone or like, am I like officially too old for that? That That's kind of how I feel as a podcast right now. It's like, can I call myself a podcaster yet? Why not? I mean, I'm in, I'm, th- I'm 30 episodes in 30 weeks in a row of the human hope podcast. I mean, I can't, I say it every week, picture a consistency here we are. What a week, guys. Huh. What uh, what does the world need to focus their hope on this week, right? Last seven days. What does the world need to focus their hope on? You know, we we got a. Uh, I mean, we got we got people angry about boosters. We got people angry uh, on the border. We're back at the border, right? We got some some anger down there. I mean, here's here's something. I I wonder. You know, with with the crisis that we're seeing at the border, which which already, FYI, both sides of whatever side of the aisle you um, find yourself on, I need to let you know something. They are both hijacking the current situation down at the border with our Haitian brothers and sisters. This, if you were screaming and up in arms at how America handled the Afghan crisis, then I need y'all to be just as up in arms and screaming at 
how we're handling what's happening at the border. These are people seeking asylum, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're coming here because, I mean, these, these Haitians are fleeing, looking for asylum. There ain't nobody going to be like living and camping out underneath that bridge in a hundred degree weather just because like, oh, like a, I don't know, maybe it'd be a little better over here. No, when you're fleeing, when you're fleeing, we've got, there's just, there's got to be a better way, right? Now, I'm not, I'm not a politician. I don't even play one on the internet, but I know that there's got to be a better way. Now, I'm, I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, that 100% of you can look at the situation with the Haitians at the border and have empathy. Like, yes, this, they, we've got to do something for them. Uh, where, where people have a hard time with their empathy. All right. I mean, I'm going to push a little button here is empathy towards the border patrol. Now, why in the world would we need to have empathy on somebody that gets paid, has a 401k, has retirement plan, has health insurance, gets to ride a horse and gets to use his reins to make sure that Haitians aren't crossing the river? Why should I have empathy towards them? Let me tell you why. These men and women on the border are, are just doing, they're doing their job that they're being paid by the United States government, by the president that some of you elected. They're doing their job. So we're going to need the president to help them do their job and maybe correct the way they're doing it. You know, like at the end of the day, sometimes I, I get frustrated when we just get a snapshot of a crisis, right? Like, like we all, honestly, all of us just got a snapshot of the war in Afghanistan. That that's what it, it was a simply a snapshot. And so we suddenly were making 20 year old takes on it takes takes that we should have been gathering 20 years of information just based on seven days of us understand, trying to understand what's happening there. And so we, we'd see a picture uh, and and that picture would form an opinion, and that opinion would then form a reaction, and that reaction would then get displayed on social media. And that's just a really horrible way to do things. It's a horrible way to be a human. It's a horrible way to give hope. Because I'm fairly certain that we don't have it all figured out. And I'm also fairly certain that we don't know how it figured out. I don't I don't know why I don't know why they ride horses at the border. But but I do know that the few times I have ridden horses, I've had a long rein in my hand. Now, I didn't use it as a whip. You couldn't even call it a whip. Maybe these guys were doing that. I hadn't seen the video yet. But what I am saying is that they were doing their job. And and now we've got access to see how they're doing their job, which maybe is going to change the way they do their job. But what we've got to do. What I, what I have to do is when I get frustrated at, this is all free, by the way. This is five minutes of free, empathetic content for you at the beginning of the show, okay? If you are up in arms as to how the Haitians are being treated at the border, which I believe everyone should be, you also, and, and if that you being up in arms is probably, uh, if, if it's being more triggered by the man on the horse trying to, I don't, I mean, I don't know what he was trying to do. 
stop the Haitians from crossing the river or whatever it was. If it's more triggered by just him on the horse, then it would have been had there not been a picture of a man on the horse, then quite possibly your anger is being directed and your anger is being brought on by something. Oh, I want to make sure I choose the right words. Your anger is being brought on by, um, by maybe not the main reason why you should be angry. Okay. Yes. A picture of a white guy on a horse with what looks like a whip chasing down a black Haitian may quite possibly be the worst marketing photo ever for us border patrols. Absolutely. But our, our rage, to be honest with you, I think is misguided when it's all on the dude with the horse, as opposed to the Haitians at the border and how to get them in. So, so what I'm saying is, yes, like you look at that, that's horrible. Like white people on horses don't need to have reins that look like whips trying to stop black people crossing the border. <laughs> Come on. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to be like a, like a PR strategist to know this, right? Like that's just not okay. Joe Biden, president Joe Biden. Can you fix that? Maybe, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm assuming they're on horses because it's easier to, to travel that terrain on horses than it is on a four wheeler. Right? Like, so like they're gonna be on horses. I'm assuming that there's black, brown, indigenous, who knows, other colors of border patrols that are on horses as well, okay? We got a glimpse of, of something that triggered us, especially after last summer. What I don't want us to do is lose focus on where the focus should be. We can be up in arms at a guy on a horse with what looks like a whip, or we could be more up in arms at the travesty of Haitians that are seeking asylum that we are sending back on airplanes to Haiti with nothing. I'm not a, I'm not a political scientist. I'm not a politician. I don't know how to fix it, but I am saying that that is where our rage needs to be. Don't get swayed by the easy thing to get raged about, right? Ooh, say that again. Don't get swayed by the easy way to rage. It almost rhymes. It just doesn't quite, you know what I'm saying? So just know, Listen, I mean, I, I am Mr. Racial Reconciliation. I am Mr. Let Me Teach White People Why Black Lives Matter. I'm that guy. But I also don't want your rage to get hijacked. I don't want to get hijacked and chase down the wrong thing. Okay? What's the thing we need to be chasing down? How can we be the hands and feet to these Haitians seeking asylum? And how, how can we help figure out how to support them and how to best support them? Okay, that's not where I thought I was going to be going the first 10 minutes of this podcast, but that is quite all right. Um, because, because we are going to move into a conversation with one of my newer friends on the social media sphere. That was such a 40-something-year-old thing to say. Uh, but on Instagram, Ashley Lemieux. Lemieux. Like Pepe Pedu. Pedu, Pepe Lemieux. What's what's the what's the skunk? I don't know, but I, f- I say her name like like I feel like you should say his name. Ashley is one of the most, ugh, I'm telling you, awe inspiring humans. 
Um, this, this woman is going to make you feel like no matter what you have been through, you can not only get up, but you can put one foot in front of the other and in the middle of your pain, it's like two weeks in a row with these incredible women that have gone through pain, but yet are getting up every day and facing the giants in front of them. And Ashley has done that. There, there is a moment in this podcast that my jaw is literally on the floor because I cannot believe the wave after wave after wave after wave that continues to hit Ashley's life. And knowing that there was a point where she was like, you know what? I don't know if I can do this anymore. But she continued to press in and she really delivers some human hope in a way that nobody has yet on this podcast. So listen, friends, um, th- this one this one is a note-taking podcast, all right? So I, like, if you're listening in the car, that's fine. You just have to listen to it twice. I want you to pull out your journal, your phone, whatever it may be, and start taking notes because this one has the potential to change your life and to direct you in a place where, where honestly, your purpose is so close to your pain, right? Like, 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 like we, we all have our threshold of pain and we think that we can't take any more. But what I'm, what I realized through this conversation was at with Ashley is that right on the other side of that threshold just may be your purpose. This one is going to blow your minds. Enjoy this conversation with your new friend and mine as well, Ashley Lemieux. Okay, Human Hope listeners, what I love about the guest that we are about to have on the show is that she, when she Instagrams, has just as many, if not more dots on her story than I have on my story. This human being shares her life as much, if not more than me. And so, you know, uh, you know, I, I kind of like when I get in bed at night, there's a few stories. It's Sharon says so. And it's Ashley Lemieux that, that carry me. It's like, it's like watching the Cosby show at night in bed. It, the, you know, her episodes are like 30 minutes long. Ashley say hi to the human hope listeners. <laughs> Hey guys. Wow. I've never had an intro like that at all. Also, I need to fact check this. I'm going to compare our story dots next time I'm on Instagram. (laughs) Listen, Okay. Listen, listen. I just want to let you know that I'm not like calling you out, but I am saying that like you Instagram a lot, which is fantastic. Like I'm like, and I do too. So it just makes me feel like I'm not alone. Okay. You aren't alone. You know, I do. I love a good Instagram story. It's kind of been my comedic relief and connection to other people, especially the past yes. year and a half. So I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take the title yeah. of that. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. Okay. So Ashley, you know, you, um, you, you've done a lot, you do a lot. Um, I love, you know, on your, on your Instagram it, for me, when I, when I follow you, um, it, you, you're just a light, like you're, you're, you're a light. And, and I feel like it's because you, you're living really on purpose. Like you, you, You've kind of found your purpose and you're on it. And what you say actually in your bio is that you help people uncover their power, reframe their thoughts and find clarity. Now, when somebody's actually doing that, I feel like they are in their sweet spot. And I feel like you help people get into their sweet spot. So why don't we just start with this question? What got you to the space where you feel like you're finally living in your clarity, living in your purpose? Like, like how did you end up here? And that's a really big question. And uh, 
feel feel free to answer it and take as long as you want. Such a good question. And the honest answer is a lot of pain. Mm. A lot of, of pain in my life has led me to this place where I had two choices. One was to be buried by the pain forever and not want yeah. to participate in living anymore. Yeah. And the second choice was to figure it out and wow. to figure out how my pain could be a teacher instead of something that I continuously was trying to run away from so that I could find clarity and freedom and purpose and joy and all of those things again, even though life does not look like how yeah. I ever imagined it would look like. Wow. Um, and so I guess that's the umbrella <laughs> of, yeah. of where I'm at right now. Yeah. So purpose was found through pain. So I, I can't wait to get to the part of the conversation where you do get to tell us about your purpose. But if you wouldn't mind, if we can rewind to the pain, uh, if we can re rewind to maybe the space in your life, and it could be various uh, spaces. It could be, you know, obviously, you know, we've got traumas from childhood. We've got traumas from, you know, but where you're at now, talk to us about when when and what the pain was uh, before we talk about maybe using the pain for uh, the clarity that you may find yourself in right now. So talk to us a little bit about what that pain was and, and that part of your story. I, I want to preface what I'm about to share with you guys with the fact that I think that sometimes we hear these amazing stories of someone who's been through something really hard and then they yeah. overcome it and then it's great. And, and here's what they're doing and here's their purpose now. Yeah. When I tell you about my moments of pain, I think it's important that you know that they're still here, that, the, that the, the purpose that I have found in my life, the clarity that I have found, the peace that I have found has not come as a result of my pain leaving me. It's come wow. as a result of me digging really deep. And I think that's really important because when so you're in the important. middle of really hard crap that you feel like is never going to end, yeah. um, it's hard when we think that our life can only be a certain way once this stuff yeah. leaves. That's good. Um, That's really good. So I'm going to start from um, about seven years ago. Okay. My husband and I became parents overnight. We were in our mid-20s. And we were, I was building my business, The Shine Project. We were newly met, newly married. We were recently out of school. At that point in our lives, we knew we would have children eventually, but it wasn't something that we were pursuing mm. at all <laughs> from all the reasons that I just told you um, because of yeah. where we were at in our life. Very long story, very short. Uh, we became parents overnight to a four and a six-year-old. We became their wow. per permanent guardians. And it was not inside of the foster care system, um, okay. at, which is important to note because that just has, you know, other other things and rules and regulations around it, but we were, we were permanent guardians and the four of us were a family in every sense of the word. My children taught me more about love and life and joy than I, then there's even human words to express. And I feel like as a parent, like you, you know what that means. They're just, there's something that comes with being a parent and being able to have um, those relationships that changed 
every single part of me. So uh, we raised the children for over half of their lives. And during the final steps of the adoption process, we experienced a very, very unexpected contested adoption. And we were in court for two years fighting like I have never fought before to keep our family together, to keep the, to keep the kids safe, to keep, um, to keep the kids safe. And during that time, I kept telling myself, this is actual hell. Every single day felt like you were waking up in the midst of the flames of hell and you did not know how you were going to keep walking in the fire that day. But I knew I was doing it for my children. And so what I would tell myself was I can do anything because I know that this is going to result in their safety. And this is going to result in us being a family forever. Um, And so after two years went by of of doing this this court battle, um, I had stopped traveling for work, but there was something really big uh, for my company. I had employees at that time. We had a lot of employees and we were running a very big um, product line. And there was, a, there was a, a big thing that I needed to be at. And I was only going to be gone for two days. And our next big court hearing wasn't until the month later. And as part of just reclaiming parts of my life, I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to this. And I'll be back in two days. And, and you have your um, kids this whole time. Yeah, this whole time. Okay. Yeah, we have this. Yeah, so we had the kids for uh, over four years. Okay. And they, the night before I left, my daughter, who is now eight years old, um, she was just crying and she just kept saying, Mommy, I, I don't want you to leave. Like, what if I never see you again? And I was like, of course you're going to see me again, sweetie. Like, I'm going to be gone for two days. We're going to FaceTime. Um it's going to be fine. And, and she just like, she just was breaking down over the fact that I was leaving when I was gone. They had called an emergency court hearing, which I was assured would be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, except that it wasn't. And I was on the other side of the country in Atlanta. Uh, when my husband called and said, Ashley, they're, the kids are leaving our home tomorrow. And they're not giving you time to come home and say goodbye. And we aren't allowed to tell the kids what's going on. So I had to write them a goodbye letter. Um, and I had to FaceTime them that night. That was it. The last time I saw her and him. Wow. And uh, the years that have followed, so that, that's been four and a half years ago. It feels like it literally just happened yesterday and the amount of pain that that has brought into our lives. It's like this really weird thing of grieving the living dead. Mm. And, um, for the next few years, my husband and I decided we were going to sell everything that we owned. We needed to go figure out life. Like, how do you live after this? How do you want to live after this? How do you, how, like, I didn't know. So that's when we moved to Nashville to figure out, any, to figure out anything like could life outside of pain exist? Could anything good happen for us anymore? Um, and we spent a lot of time in the thick of, of this pain of, of losing our kids. Um, 
two years after we moved to Nashville, we decided that we wanted to try to grow our family again, which was a really big deal for us um, because of everything that had transpired with the older two. And so we decided, though, that in order for us to feel supported, that we wanted to move back to Phoenix, be around my family, and this time try to grow our family biologically. So I got pregnant really quick. We were so excited. That was at the end of 2019. And last spring, March, um, the same week that the pandemic shut everything down, uh, we had just moved into our new house that we had bought to accommodate our growing family. And we were so excited. And and three days after we moved in and and things had shut down, I got really sick out of nowhere at 16 weeks pregnant. And I was rushed to the hospital that night because I couldn't, couldn't walk, couldn't move. I was just like screaming in pain. And when we get to the hospital... They tell us that it's also the same day that they aren't allowing outside visitors to come with you. So I get wheeled away from my husband and they check the baby and and he's okay at first. And, and the next couple of days were like the most excruciating physical pain of my life. But I kept telling myself again, I can do this because I'm keep, because I'm keeping my baby safe. I can go through this because I can do whatever it takes to keep him safe and and it's all going to be okay. And, um, couple days into it, I, I wasn't okay. And I told him I needed them to check the baby again, because I did not know if my body could support both of us based off of how I was feeling. Um, I might've missed the part. I went septic. I was septic. So I had, wow. which means that you have a blood infection, um, yeah. which means that your body's really, really shutting down. I had two kidney infections. Um, I was on antibiotics I had a pick line and it, it was, it was a lot. Wow. So I, I asked them to check the baby and they wheeled me down and there was no heartbeat. And, um, the next day I, I delivered our baby boy alone in, in the hospital room with a curtain. And, and I just remember thinking like, is this what life is? Like just a whole lot of, just a whole lot of pain. Like, is there anything outside of this? Is there, have we been forgotten about? Is, is there anything left to live for? Because when you lose the things, the, the people, the love, the, the purpose that is most important for you, to you, um, and it's replaced with so much trauma, life starts feeling really purposeless and it starts feeling just really overwhelming. Um, and so at in the middle of last year, I found myself in this place again that I was like, how does a person find the desire and the resilience or whatever it is? I don't even know what I'm looking for at this time, but, but how do I find it so that I can have a future that doesn't feel this crappy and terrible every single day? And so that's what I was sitting with. Well, I did not know all that. Um, so I'm actually sitting in maybe what a lot of my listeners are sitting in. I'm, a, I'm To be honest, I'm actually glad I didn't know that before I asked that question because I, I feel like my next question is going to probably be the question I need to ask as opposed to maybe a question that I was going to ask. Um, so, so there's somebody right now. Before before we get into what 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 you learned, because I I feel, I feel like so many people look to people like you that have been through pain to teach us what you've learned and to here's here's my four steps of whatever. 
And here's the truth. In the mess, in the hospital room, in the pain, in the, wait a second, my heart has already been pulled out and ripped out of my chest a few years ago. Now it's being ripped out of my chest again. There's someone listening to this podcast that is in that exact situation right now. They're actually thinking, you know what? I, I don't um I, I don't want I don't I don't want another day. Like like I don't I don't want to live another day. Um today is actually as we're recording this National Suicide Prevention Day. And um I've I've been at that place, that that dark place before. For the person that is in so much pain where they're like, is this it? Is life only going to give me pain? I'm not saying you have magic words, but what would you say to that person that is sitting exactly where you were sitting in that hospital room, experiencing more pain? Because you already said that you you felt like you were in hell every day, and that was just during the the, the custody battle. Now we lump this on top of that death. Fam, like, talk to them for a second. Ha, give them give them whatever they need to hear. You guys are going to want to hear the words Ashley has for you in 60 seconds. Uh, but since we're here, we're talking about this. Let's talk about one of our partners that can help you. If you are there better help, betterhelp.com slash human hope is the place that you guys can go. Uh, if you're feeling like there is no hope, you know, listening to podcasts, reading books, listening to sermons, singing songs, like all those things are really helpful. Um, But sometimes, and honestly, I think most of the time we need to talk to somebody. Betterhelp.com allows you guys to do that. It is 100% confidential online counseling, all without having to sit in waiting rooms and doing all of those things. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapy and it matches you with a therapist that is based on your needs. So depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, anger, grief, self-esteem, anything you share is confidential. It's convenient and really it's affordable. They have testimonials posted on their website. Uh, and again, remember, this isn't a crisis line. There's crisis lines, but this isn't that. This is a counselor matched to you. So, I've got a little bit of help for you. If you guys go to betterhelp.com slash human hope, you guys will get 10% off of your first month. I have a betterhelp.com counselor myself that I talk to once a month. You guys can do this. Now back to the show. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. First, I want to say that I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that you're here. And I feel like even though the details of all of our stories are so drastically different from each other, the human 
condition, the, the feelings that we share of, of pain, of disappointment, of despair, of darkness, of joy, of light, those are the things that connect us. And so I know that, that in the moment of darkness, you feel so alone, like you are the one person in the world that has been so forgotten about. And I just want you to know that you're not alone and that you are so deeply loved. Mm. I don't know what comes next and I'm not going to pretend that I do, but I do know that your story is not over yet. Wow. I know that your story is not over yet. I know that out of all the billions of stars and the galaxy and the humans that exist on planet Earth, that your life individually is deeply important. Yes. And I can't wait to see what miracles and what joy still is coming for you. I promise you that it's coming and it's going, life is going to feel different. Yeah. And it's okay that it, it's okay. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. That is so good. Your story matters. Miracles are coming. You're not alone. It's going to be okay. It's okay to not be okay in the moment, but okay is coming. Um, you know, and, and, and it is coming. And, you know, Ashley, I, um, I, I'm, I want to let you know that I'm sorry, you know, I, I'm sorry for for that pain. Um, as a as a as a new friend to you, um, looking at my green dot on my laptop, trying to look into your eyes to let you know that I that I I care and I'm sorry. Um, and, and I do feel like you know sometimes that is the thing, right? That's the thing that somebody needs to hear is that they just you, they just are seen that 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 you're just with them and you know. Um, I, I'm assuming that in that moment, community to you became sacred. I, I'm, I'm again. This is assumptions that I'm making, but talk to me about being carried through that time because now I want you to maybe speak to some people that aren't in that place, have never been in that place, and know somebody that is in that place. So talk to them for a second. Because if we're not in that place personally, we all know someone who is or who will yes. be. Yes. I talk a lot a lot about this in everything that I do because people always ask me, Ashley, my friend just had a miscarriage or my friend just lost their partner. Or my f- how, how do I show up? Um, I will tell you that because we were in the middle of a new pandemic, wow. the community that I wish that I could have, I could not have. Like I'm telling you, this was so new and, and COVID was still so no one knew it was happening because I had been in the hospital. Yeah. We couldn't have anyone even come into my house for two weeks. And then I was having home health nurses. And so like, I was a very scary person to be around yeah. because no one knew what was going on. And so like my family would come. Finally, my husband was allowed to be in the hospital with me, but my family wasn't. So my family showed up how they could. They came outside the hospital windows, making signs, pounding on the door, screaming, screaming for me. And then when I got home, we would leave the back door open and they would pull out chairs and they'd be sitting outside talking with me so that even though community looked different, um, that I yeah. still would know that there were people 
there for me. I know that a lot of people feel like they're going to say the wrong thing. Like, like they, they want to be there for their friend, but they don't want to, they don't know what to do. I will tell you that whatever has happened in, in the person that you love's life, there is nothing, there's pretty much nothing that you can do to make it worse. Like they're living in it. And what they need from you more than anything is to show up. A lot of times things to show up look like literally just sitting there with them while they cry, not trying Mm -hmm. to fix it, not trying to take their pain because unfortunately we want to take pain away from people, but we can't do that. And that's not our job. And, and what they really need is someone to acknowledge the pain and sit in it with them. Um, I have a calendar of um, friends who have had hard things happen in their lives. And so on hard anniversary days or birthdays, they get a text or they get flowers or they, it's like you show up in the beginning, but then you stay there because as the rest of the world moves on life, as your friend knows it has stopped and it's going to feel the effects forever and they need someone to take the time and have their world stop with them so that the pain yeah. and the person and whatever has happened can be acknowledged. Ooh, you know, well, I wrote this down. I, I don't have a uh, piece of paper in front of me and I couldn't find one while you're talking. I'm t- trying to take all these notes. So I'm literally writing on my hand as you're talking <laughs> oh with, the, with a Sharpie. <laughs> so, <good. laughs> so, so if, if, if you see blue on my face, as I forget that I've written with a blue Sharpie, all of these incredible things you're saying, uh, just know that's why. Uh, but I, I want to read this off my hand. Um, I love what you said. You said that your family showed up how they could. Like I, I, I want, I want to reiterate that. Like, like they showed up how they could, not how they thought the picture of perfection would look like for you. Not with the perfect card that they've written the perfect thing. They just showed up how they could show up, you know. And in March of 2020, they're they're going to have to show up differently than they would show up in March of 2021, and maybe in March of 2024. And I just, I think that is so powerful. Show up how you can is, I mean, that's a game changer for people. You know, what it does is it frees people to, to just show up. You know, you you don't have to have your crap together. You can just be there. And that's what you wanted. You just wanted to see that people showed up. Yes. And I I think that that's, I think that pain feels so individual. Healing is individual because we have to go through it. We're the only ones who can walk ourselves through our pain. But I believe that healing happens together. We heal together. And so when that togetherness can happen because we're all showing up during these really dark, individual, painful moments, it creates this power and hope and support that can literally help carry someone from where they are into the future. Gosh, that is so good. And, you know, thinking about the individualistic parts of our pain and how everybody experiences pain differently, but then it's all kind of the same. You know, we, we have a mutual friend and a really close friend of yours, Ruthie Lindsay, and she's, she's been on my podcast before. And, you know, I, to hear both of your stories uh, and know that both of you have, have walked through such intense seasons of pain and to what's, I, I guess this is actually kind of fascinating to me knowing both of you now, 
and knowing both of your stories and knowing the intense amount of physical pain with Ruthie, which of course led to emotional pain, but then you emotional pain, which led to physical pain and how intertwined all of those things are. I think what, I think what it does is it allows me to say, okay, I could ask Ashley. I could ask Ruthie. I believe that healing can actually begin to happen physically and emotionally from the same process, from the same spaces. So, so let, let's let let's move now from from your the trauma and the pain into guess what? Ashley Lemieux herself is going to declare that healing actually is possible. It's not something you have to wish for. And healing doesn't necessarily mean that the pain is going to go away, but it does mean that it's going to to point you in a direction of hope. So this being human hope, let let's move um, let's move from your story from when you were in the most pain into directing us towards maybe a path of healing. So I believe that a lot of us get stuck in our healing process because in our minds we think that healing is a returning back to a time before pain. And that wow. in order for us to heal, we have to return back to this place or to this feeling where the pain doesn't exist. And so we spend a lot of time running in circles because that's not possible. Right. So healing isn't a returning back. Healing is a learning how to move forward, even with your pain in a way wow. that now you can experience joy and pain purpose and sorrow, hope and loss. Is there really anything more beautiful and more powerful than that? I wow. I don't know. But for me, that's what healing is. And there's a saying that we hear a lot that drives me absolutely out of my mind. And it's time <laughs> yeah. heals all wounds. And yeah. it is not true. Healing yeah. heals our wounds. Um, and for me, on my healing journey, I first had to figure out how to get intentional about my life again so that I stopped doing things to distract myself from the pain and started being intentional so that I could learn and then focus what I was doing every day um, in a way that could create beauty and joy yeah. for myself again. Mm. And so very basic. And you guys, when I, when I tell you this part of the story of, of healing, when I tell you that I did not want to get out of bed and be alive anymore, I, I mean that from every part of my soul. I did not wow. want to get out of bed and be alive anymore. So how do you go from that to finding purpose again. And it has to start with a lot of compassion for yourself and a lot of very small steps. Mm. Wow. So in the mornings, I started praying and meditating. That was it. That was all I could do. When we lost our older two kids, something happens when you go from being a, a mother to not physically being a mother that took away so much purpose for my life. I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I wanted to be. I didn't know what to do with my time. I didn't know what to do with this empty, quiet house. Yeah, I didn't house. know what to do with mine and my husband's relationship. Like we'd been fighting for the kids for so long and we'd been parents for years. So I was like, what is like, can we even exist with each other anymore? Like 
what? It was so hard to figure all that out. And so I know it can feel so overwhelming. So I started with praying and meditating. And I started with the one question, which was, what is my intention today? Since I felt so out of purpose and so overwhelmed for my life, I had to start looking at my life one day, even sometimes one hour at a time. And I would ask myself, what is my intention today? And sometimes that would vary between today. My intention is to literally get out of bed and take a shower because I haven't been able to do that for the past five days. Some days that was today. My intention is to really um, focus in on connecting with my husband so that we can build a relationship forward. Um, Some days it looked like doing things for work, but being able to break things down so that daily I felt like I was moving somewhere was critical for me um, to, to start seeing that life could still exist in my yeah. life. Yeah. M- moving somewhere, no matter the speed, right? Like it could be a snail's pace, right? Yes. It could be a snail's pace. You j- <laughs> but feeling that, feeling that, knowing that you can be in that much pain yeah. and still get up and move however you're moving towards something started giving me this new idea about who I was, who I am and what it is that I can be doing in my life. So good. Uh, Again, back to my hand. Uh, I wrote something else uh, uh, on my hand and, and you mentioned something in passing. And I know, I know for you, as I follow you on Instagram, like I, you know, I, I see the, uh, the, the passion that, that you and your husband, what's his name? I'm sorry. Mike. Mike's Mike, the best. You, you, yeah. Mike's the best. The, the passion you guys have for each other and for, for living and for healing and for all the things. Um, what you, when you mentioned him, suddenly like my heart went to like, oh, wow, guess, guess what? It, it wasn't just Ashley. Like I'm just hearing Ashley's part of the story, but Mike lost just as much. Mike was dealing with, there, there was someone else. And so, so as as people are listening to this and and knowing you know even knowing some friends that have lo- that have lost a child to suicide or have lost a child in some way shape or form i can't remember the statistic but i heard some statistic about marriages ending after that much trauma has happened talk to the people that are walking through trials that are in a relationship that have a partner about what it looks like to not only heal yourself but to make sure that you are healing together and that they are healing. I'd love for you to lean into that for a second. Thanks for this question, because I feel like this is something that's really important. That's not talked about a lot. The, the fact is, is that the majority of couples who go through a big loss um, don't stay together. Why? Right. Because it's really hard to process your individual trauma, let alone do it in a way where you're both now doing it together and it meshes and, in the beginning, um, right before we lost the kids and it got really bad, I remember telling Mike, I don't know. I, I literally said this to him. I said, I don't know what I'm going to need if we uh, lose the kids. I don't know what life is going to look like for me. And I just need you to know that because I don't know what this is going to look like. And I remember... Right him just looking at me and he said, Ashley, whatever it is that you need, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And in that moment, I knew that we were going to be okay. Coming back together 
after the loss of our older mm. two kids was one of the hardest, trickiest, most like I, we, I didn't know, we didn't know how to navigate it. And then we found ourselves in this sure. new city. So that's one of the reasons we moved to Nashville so that we would not rely on family or other people or distractions around us. And we would literally only have each other in this new yeah. place. I, um, I, one day we were leaving, um, the house and at this time, both of us are working from the home. And okay. I, I told my husband, I said, I feel like we're together all the time, but we're not together. Like we're not right. connecting. I see you every day, but I'm not connected with you. And he's like, you feel like that? I was like, yeah, don't you? He's like, well, I don't know. Like both of us <laughs> are just trying to sort our emotions out. But I, I think sure. being able to be very open and honest about your how you feel um, and be yep. receptive to how the other person feels and not take offense to it was the key yeah. for us figuring out how to move forward. One day I, I went to um, Office Max and I got one of those huge post-it, like, you know, yeah. the huge post-it boards yeah. you can oh, write yeah. on? Oh, yeah. And yeah. we were working so much. Our our thing to try to drown out the pain was travel and work. So we were working so okay. much. So I made yeah. my husband schedule a time during the middle of the day where me and him were having a meeting. It was a two hour meeting. And so wow. we met upstairs. And the- hopefully my wife isn't listening to yeah, this right now. Yes. Okay. All the wives <laughs> need to do this. Put it on his calendar. I wanted yeah. both of us to treat it like it was a meeting and it was important. Love so it. we met upstairs in the common room. I brought my poster and I <laughs> drew an island. And I said, I'm on this island. I don't feel like we're on the same island. Yeah. And I want to come up with ways where we can protect our island and keep off what needs to stay away and keep on me and you. And then whatever good things are that keep us here and happy and together. And I really want to hash out what that means for us. This is so good. This is so good. Keep going. This is so good. Yeah. So we did for the next several hours, we wrote down what both of us wanted on our Island, what both of us wanted to keep off and then what that would tangibly look like. And then we had this framework of, okay, we're, we're coming off base or, Hey, like, this was actually really important to him. It hasn't been important to me, but he wants this on the island and I want him to be on my same island. And so I'm going to be yeah. more mindful about these things. Um, and that 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 was probably about nine months into losing the kids. And that was a turning point in our relationship. Wow. That's so good. Wow. I mean, if anyone, if that's it, if that's what people get out of this, like the island idea and writing the things that keep you together on there, that is so Powerful and thank, thank, thank you and thank Mike for letting me ask about him. Um, you know, because I think it's important. I think it's important that that we know that we're not the only ones that need to heal from whatever pain you know is in our lives. It, it's going to be whoever we're with as well. So, uh, so you um, uh, you be, you begin your healing journey. You realize that healing isn't um, getting back to a certain place, but going forward with the pain, but allowing healing to you know. Uh, propel you now where you find yourself. So now we're, as of this recording, it's September 10th, 2021. And um, what, what, what's, what is your purpose? 
what is the thing now? Um, the pain is still with you. We've, we've already talked about this. What is your reason? Why are you, do you open up Instagram every day and share your life? Um, why is it that you're continuing to, because you could have been very easy for you to be like, you know what? Peace out world. There, there's, there's already too much heat on, on me. Uh, there's probably already too much, too many trolls that are doing whatever. Why is it that, that, that you share every day in spite of the tribalistic, you know, sometimes rage filled world that we find ourselves in? What, what, why is it that you're doing what you're doing even today? And you guys are going to want to hear in a few seconds why Ashley is doing what she's doing. Uh, the answer may surprise you, but before we get there really quickly, one of our partners, one of my favorite partners, because what they're doing is so important. Agape International Missions. Uh, they've been a partner for a few months here at Human Hope. And you guys, I'm so inspired because they're actually proving that there is a way to end child sex trafficking. If you guys go back to episode 13, you get to hear more about their work. But basically, Ames work proves that the reality of hope is greater than trafficking. They've shown this by literally rescuing girls from brothels with their SWAT team and local police. They're, they've proven this over and over and over again. So listen, I'm inviting you guys to join me by joining The Village, which is Ames community of passionate monthly donors that make this life-changing work of rescue and restoration, protection, and freedom possible. Guys, when you guys show up, I'm part of the village. I want you guys to show up to be part of the village as well. Light literally floods the darkness as one more child is rescued from trafficking. So head over to aimfree.org slash Carlos and sign up. Something that I always think is if I'm not going, if I'm not going to allow myself to be a signpost for hope for someone who is, and I, I deeply believe that no matter what someone has been through, that there is freedom and clarity and joy waiting for them. And I feel like all of my pain will be completely in vain. My relationship with my children, I feel like um, now takes a new form of purpose, which is helping other people reframe their thoughts and re really reclaim their power so that they can reimagine a new future for themselves that is yeah. full of good things. And truthfully, truthfully, that's what gets me out of bed every morning. That is so amazing. And and we get to see it and I get to follow it, you know, every day. Um, I, I, I have, first of all, just, just thank you. Um, like I, I, I really, I see you even more so now. And I'm so appreciative of you, not only letting me, but letting all the human hope family come into your story. And I think really so many people are going to find so many pieces and tools out of this as they're walking, you know, in their journey towards healing. Um, so let me get, I'm going to get even deeper for a second, super deep. Um, um, I need to know if you ended up having to pay that water bill, uh, at your house because I was freaking out for you. I, for those of you that don't follow Ashley, you need to follow her on Instagram. I don't know if you have a highlight. Could you please explain to me and to everybody else what I'm talking about and why I'm so concerned? You guys, this is so concerning. So I do have a highlight on my Instagram. Okay, you do. I do. Because this was, we're calling it the Watergate of 2021. Watergate. 
this summer, my husband and I left for the summer. So we were not okay. at home during this water bill I'm about to tell you about that's in question. Okay. 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 So my mom's getting our mail while we're gone and she sends us our bills so that we can make sure we're paying them while we're away. And we see the water bill and I'm like, what <laughs> in the actual heck is going on here? 220 thousand gallons of water is what the city of phoenix has told us that we used during the month of june let me paint so the you picture. had a drip so you had a drip in your house basically of 220,000 no. gallons worth of let me let me explain what 220,000 gallons of water looks like you know those huge yeah. silos that sit on a farm yeah, like yeah 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 the huge big ones that's 220,000 gallons there's a uh, aquarium here in phoenix it's our only aquarium they have a thing that tells how much water they use 220,000 gallons of water to house the sharks and the jellyfish and the, so listen, if I used that much water at my house, my home would be sinking into the yes. earth to never be seen again, or it'd be like Noah's Ark. I don't, oh I don't even know the great gosh. flood. So I'm talking to the city of Phoenix. I'm like, this is impossible. Yeah. We weren't even home. Like there's How, no wait, 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 hold on, wait, 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 wait. Okay. I, I need to know about, about like that first phone call. The first like, okay, I'm about to call some customer service rep and let like, were, were they like, oh, I mean, I, I feel like if I were the customer service rep, I would be like, oh yeah, that's a mistake. Let's just clear it up. But that did, is that not what happened? No, they <laughs> were standing behind their reading <gasps> with no. a thousand percent. So no. in the summer in Arizona, it gets hot. However, this summer yes. we had a lot of monsoons. So the majority of yeah. people's grass was very green. The first guy I talked to told me, your grass is very green, which is why you would be <gasps> using that much water. And I was like, sir, it is literally not humanly possible. My grass would not be green if we were using that much water. My grass would be no. under... My grass would be sinking like it would be the bottom of the ocean floor right now. So then oh. um, I started talking about it on social media. And then I talked to, to the like head person there and they had made all these notes and they noted that I was talking about it on social media. She, she literally gave me this little lesson about how to care for our yard. And I was what? like, I, I can't even, I don't even know what to say. So they won't. They won't change the bill. They're sticking to the 220,000 gallons. And so we were, part of me was like, okay, is there some crazy leak happening underground that's like going to destroy our house? So we were waiting to see the next month's water bill. The next month's water bill was completely normal. <laughs> oh my God. And so wait, wait are, they, are they making you pay for that? They're making us pay, but between oh. us and, and your, and your human hope fam, we haven't yes. paid it yet. Okay. We have not paid it yet. We're still trying oh. to, my audience is like, don't you pay that? We, oh we, my God. We I am. My mouth for is the water wide bill. open. <laughs> yes. I'm about to come protest. I will put a sign over my head. I cannot. It's not like, like, listen, I know there's like Tiger King with like backyard zoo animals. You do not have a backyard whale no. aquarium, you know? <laughs> I don't, I mean, that'd be so cool. I'd be cool if I had a would, giant water park, but yeah, it's become this whole thing that's actually been wow. really freaking funny, but it's like yeah. someone's stealing our water. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Okay. So, so the current <laughs> situation is it's that they're, they're, your water bill is back to normal. 
but but while you were magically gone, somebody apparently, according to the city, is you you used is, that much water. Is using it, yeah, and we owe the money, so that's where we're at. Unbelievable! <laughs> hey, listen, there's got to be some human hope fam or insta familia that is like a water geologist or something that can go like like, and you've like testified in court, and we can help the Lemuse out. We you need know, an expert, is, a water expert. Yes. yes. <laughs> a water expert. No, I love that. Thanks for no. Thanks for sharing that. I, I wanted to make sure that uh, people know the fun, crazy things that you're doing. Uh, you know, on your socials as, as well. It is. It is hope filled. You are. You're filled with joy. You know, in spite of pain that is currently and continues to be part of all of our lives. You can still choose joy, and I love uh, following you because that's what you do. So, uh, Ashley, thank you so so much. I am not worthy, but I'm honored that you shared your story with us. No, thanks so much. It's my privilege to be able to come on and talk with you. Thank you. Ashley Lemieux, thank you for coming on to Human Hope, rounding us into our 30s. That was super inspiring. I don't know about you, but I know that no matter what comes my way, there is purpose in my pain. Thank you so much again, Ashley. You guys, hey, head over to Instagram. And follow my friend Ashley. You know, I, I don't. I'm gonna try to spell her name without even looking at notes. Uh, Ashley K Lemieux. Ashley K. That's A S H L E Y K L E M I E U X. I've never spelled Lemieux before, but I have now. I'm a pro. Guys, um, we got more interviews coming your way. I would love for you guys to let me know who else you would love to hear on Human Hope. Who are some people that's got some stories of hope? Uh, What I love about actually when you guys listen to this, most of you listen to this, you're going to realize that we as the Insta Familia and Human Hope family are on our way to another miracle and being another miracle for somebody else. Today is the day. When that happens, September 22nd, 2001, actually September 23rd, 2001, we are going to change somebody else's life together. So if you haven't checked it out, it'll probably be on my highlight reel. As I'm recording this, we haven't done it yet. So I'm just like assuming you guys are going to come through again. It's going to be a great, great day. Love you guys so much. I will see you next week on another edition of Human Hope.